You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. So this morning it's going to look and feel a little bit different. Um, it would be if you're an English person or a literature person like Kathy is or others of you who are adept in these things. It would be more of a narrative style in our sermon this morning. And um, a narrative style is more of like a story, more of like from a personal perspective. And this morning, as opposed to it being one and from Scripture specifically, it's going to be centered in on a verse from Scripture, but my personal journey through this verse. So uh, if you want to go ahead and turn to Psalms chapter 37, that's where we will spend the majority of our time today. Psalms chapter 37. If you have a favorite passage or scripture verse or text, or maybe multiple, I have several. Most likely those texts came to a new level of meaning for you, as this one did for me during a particularly difficult season of your life. And then this scripture that you've maybe read over multiple times, you've heard multiple times, suddenly feels like it jumps out at the page at you and grabs you. Grabs your heart and you go, wow. I know I've seen this before, I know I've heard this before, but right now, today, it's like God opened up the doors to your mind and your understanding of what it means. During one of those seasons, for me, I was working in banking in Northwest Arkansas, which was about 10 years ago. Uh, It was during the economy bust and boom, the boom before it, uh, this cartoon pictures it well. During the boom, which happened 04 to 06 in northwest Arkansas, and probably affected some up here as well. I wasn't living up here, so I can't say for sure. In the world of banking and real estate, banks were approving almost any loan that people asked as long as it had real estate and or a house as collateral. Pretty much anybody was given a loan to build a spec house. People who had no business building a home. (laughs) And unfortunately, there are people experiencing those homes today and having to repair things that were done. It seemed like even their dogs were getting loans to build spec homes because the banks thought, hey, real estate values are shooting through the roof. We've got nothing to lose. So sure, Fido, build us a spec house. (laughs) Well, as the inventory of residential and commercial properties far exceeded those buying or renting it, multiple other economic factors like the war on terror, different things like that, all played into it. The government reacted, interest rates spiked, and banks failed or had to make drastic changes along the way. The particular bank that I was working for at the time, which I will keep nameless, kept pushing for more loan growth even during this season. I guess the owners thought that this would be a time to get ahead while others were trying to pull back. And yet, I was a vice president, commercial loan officer at the bank at the time, and I knew what our loan portfolio looked like, and I thought, I don't think this is the right move, but this is management saying this, so I'm going to keep trying to bring them loans. At the meantime, I'm trying to clean up everything I can in my loan portfolio. 
trying to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, um, making sure people are keeping up on their payments, uh, trying to build relationships with them so that they have a desire, not just like whatever bank you can have it, I'm walking away. In addition, the leadership of the bank and I had significantly different opinions on what was moral and ethical in business practices. This began surfacing before the bust and then, became, then it came to a head where a senior vice president of the bank and I were having a meeting of which um, I was being asked to do some very immoral things. And did I mention that the owners of this bank claimed to be Christian as well? On my desk at the branch that I worked at, I kept a stand that I had cards in it with different scripture references. And for a couple weeks, the card that I had out was our text this morning, Psalm 37, verses 1 through 6. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not, or be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. The key verse for me in that passage was verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, for he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, my wife and I have been praying for quite some time that God would use me as long as he wanted me there at this bank, but he would also provide an opportunity to leave. Preferably by giving me another job before I left. The inner battle during this time felt like somebody was waging war on my soul. Being asked to do immoral things, having to fight that every day I went into the office trying to do the right thing for the customers who were being affected by the decisions the management was making and asking me to make, literally battling with them every day, literally saying no to the president of the bank. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. That's not right. Well, somebody was waging war on my soul, and it was Satan. At that branch, I had the habit of getting to the to the location early before everybody else. I had a key and alarm code, and so I would go in and go into my office, and, and I would spend that time praying and studying the Word and trying to line up my day, just knowing that I had to be equipped. I needed the full armor of God just to even make it through the day. And I was immersing myself in Psalms, as you could tell by what was on my desk, and reading through it in my Bible as well, and Psalms always being something that soothed me. I learned from others, from my own experience. Kind of like that nice warm Epsom salt bath after a long day of hard labor, right Dan? <laughs> the Psalms can be that for a weary, hurting and battle-worn heart. On one particular morning, it was around 7.30 and the branch would be opening up at 8, so the retail staff, which would be the tellers and the branch manager, they were starting to get there. And I was reading in Psalms 34. as are verses 15 to 22. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. 
One who's righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. And as soon as I finished reading this, it was like God spoke, not audibly, but God very much laid this impression on me. And there's been very few times in my life, I'm not going to claim to be on a first name basis with God like Moses was or Corey Dehemboom, who would just seem to be in this ongoing conversation with God. I'd love to be at that place. But on this morning, at this time, I knew. It was like God was saying, today's a day you will be delivered from this job. God reaffirming in me that I've got you, I'm there for you, and today you're going to be delivered. And I'm like, well, I know that I don't have any job offers. (laughs) I know I haven't had any job interviews. (laughs) How are you going to do this, God? And it was like he was saying, I got you. I got this. So I said, okay. He was reaffirming me as I was Not perfectly, but attempting to stand up which was wrong and what was wrong that I was being asked to do. He was instilling in me that this trial was not a waste, that this season was not a waste of time or effort. So I looked up from my Bible and looked out the window of my office into the parking lot of the branch, and my boss pulls in and parks. Well, you'd say, oh, that's no big deal, but... He had never visited me at this branch, ever. In the three, two to three years I'd been working at this particular location, he had never, ever came to the branch and visited me there. It was my, hey, can you meet? Come down to my office, which was in Springdale. So I'd always, I was always meeting with him and going down there. We were talking on the phone and email and different things like that, but never had he come to see me there. And I thought, hmm, <laughs> I think I know what's going on. <laughs> If I had a box in my office, I'd just start filling it up right then. (laughs) He walks in, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And, you know, the normal formalities. He sits down, and he's like, and he got really quiet and put his head down. And I could tell it it was wearing him out having to do this. It was the first, January 2nd, the first day after we went back to work after the holidays. He said, Matt, I hate to have to do this. And I interrupted him, and I just said, I know, it's okay. He was like, what? He thought somebody had leaked it. He was trying to figure out who he's got to follow up with and who he's probably going to have to fire next because it got leaked out. And I said, I said, no, nobody leaked it. He said, God showed me this morning. God told me, and it's okay. Then they gave me two weeks vacation that I'd had saved up and two weeks severance, and I went home. Driving home, Well, I felt peace and relief from being done there. So grateful for that. I also had a lot of other emotions. The emotional Ferris wheel began churning and going around and around and around. Felt anger of all the time and effort that I put in there, all the hours, too many hours. Trying to establish stability for my family and providing for them. Then hope, God, what have you got next? 
What's on, the, what's on the horizon? What's around the corner? Then despair. Then gratitude. Then more anger. Then some fear. More relief. You know. You know the, you know the Ferris wheel, what I'm talking about. Or the yo-yo. That's probably even a better example. Well, God in his grace and mercy began to bring into clarity this verse. In the middle of that passage of Psalm 37 that we read, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay. Well, I'm not smart enough to think of this on my own, so obviously you're giving this to me here, Lord. What does this mean? What does it mean if I were to delight in you? Does it mean you're going to give me what I want? Does it mean you're just going to give me the perfect job, which is what I want most right now? The more I thought about it, I knew that that couldn't be right. It's like the Holy Spirit was throwing a penalty flag on that line of thinking. It's not, God's not a slot machine that if we just have enough faith, then he'll give me that brand new free Ferrari. I wasn't exactly sure yet, but I knew I needed to explore this. And since God had freed up my schedule, I had plenty of time to explore this. (laughs) So as I began to sit down and study this text and dive into it, I knew I needed to pray first. I knew there was no way that I was going to come up with the right answers without praying first and asking God to guide me. You see, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our counselor, to be our guide, to be our help, to help us understand his word. And see, aren't you glad that our God isn't a God who just simply writes exactly what it is and what it means, and it's just simple like a children's book? There's some places in Scripture it is. There's other places there's not. Would that be a God we would want to devote our lives to and spend all of eternity worshiping if he was that easy to figure out? I wouldn't. And he's not. God, what do you want me to know in this verse? Lead me, guide me. What does delighting in you mean? What do you mean by you'll give me the desires of my heart? Second, I knew I needed to just spend some time meditating on this verse. Have you done that? If it takes a while to mow, that's a great time. Just saying. Or driving. Keep the radio off. Put the phone down. Should be down anyway, right? Meditate on that verse. Think through it. Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean in this aspect of my life with job? What does this mean in the aspect of my life with my marriage, with my kids, with my neighbors, with me at the church? What does this mean, Lord? And then starting to journal through this and write these things down. And so as I continue here, just to pause on the story for a second, I'm kind of letting you in on what I use and what I do. When God says, hey, work this out. And a lot of this is what I do in sermon prep. All right, I'm wanting to equip you this morning on how to study your Bible better. All right, so when you see this stuff, this is hints for you to follow along, catch up. Maybe these are tools that you already use and know. Fantastic. I believe you'll get something out of it because it's still centered in God's word. But if not, these will help you grow in your knowledge and depth of Scripture. Grow in your appreciation of our Heavenly Father. 
So back to meditating on it. Okay, well, Lord, this is this verse. Does this verse stand alone by itself? I need to look at it in the context of the whole chapter. What's being said in the whole chapter? Then I need to look at what's it being said in the whole book of Psalms. What does that look like? What is God trying to portray, say, throughout the whole book of Psalms? Better yet, back it up all the way out. What is God saying in the whole Bible? What does God say throughout the whole Bible? And how this verse, just a few words, ties into the whole Word of God. Well, in order to do this, I realize I would need to break this down into bite-sized chunks, if you will. And most of our Bibles conveniently do that for us. And this one I just took, Delight Yourself in the Lord. Meditating on this, jotting down observations. What does delighting mean to me? What do I know of that word in my context today? What does to delight in something mean? Ways to go about making these observations and coming up with answers. Investigative questions. Who, what, where, when, why, how? Figuring this out. Does this specifically fly, sup, or, uh, apply only into the culture of ancient history? And how does that apply today? Or does it apply today without needing to know the history surrounding Psalms 37? Answering those questions, walking through that, working through that. It's not wasted effort. You will learn and you will grow in this process as I did. Okay, so what does delight mean? So I flip open my Bible and pull, out, pull it out. Most of our Bibles, mine does, has a middle section where there's cross-references. This is an actual picture of my Bible. What do these cross-references say about this verse? So looking those up, Psalm 21, 2, Psalm 145, 19. And then in the third one, as I read these, it seems like those are all kind of saying the same thing about delighting. The third one is kind of this aha moment that God gave me, Isaiah 58, 14. But verse 14 begins with the word then. So I look back before 14 because it's saying then. Well, obviously something's before that. Verse 13, if because of the, tha- the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable and honor it, does this desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord. Well, God in the New Testament doesn't ask us to keep following the Sabbath, although a day of rest I think is healthy and good for each one of us. But basically he's saying in verse 13, there is this act of obedience. There is an act of obeying God. And then as you do that, and by, in this specific session, obeying God, resting in God, the Sabbath was meant for rest, not to say, hey, you got to just sit in a chair all day and do nothing and be an inactive. It's about Spending time with God specifically. Set a day aside every week and spend the whole day meditating on God and things of Him and not be distracted by things of the world. So he's saying, if you will do that, if you're drawing near to me, resting in me, obeying me in this, then you will be delighting in me. Oh, like well okay this is one verse not the whole bible so i'm going to keep looking 
So I jump on BibleGateway.com. Anybody use that? Great free resource. You can access it from your phone. You can access it from your computer. BibleGateway.com. Almost every version of the Bible you want with just a click of your mouse, switch versions, look at it. You can even read it in Greek if you want. Job 22.26 pops. Also talks about delighting the Lord. And in the context says that by yielding to God, you will be delighting to God. Well, think about the book of Job if you know it. <laughs> Here's a guy that God purposely sent through the ringer to glorify his own name, God's name, and then restores him times 10 plus more. Yielding, obeying. So the, so the picture is beginning to come into focus here. It's a yielding and obeying as part of delighting in him. Well, what about the context of the rest of the chapter of 37? Trust in the Lord and do good. The first part of verse 3. Commit my way to him. The first part of verse 5. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. The first part of verse 7. Is the picture forming? And then there's also another great little app. Blue Letter Bible. They have a website as well, but I've got this on my phone, so I'll pop on it, jump on the interlinear concordance, and it tells me what the root word in Hebrew of delight means in this verse. And it means to be soft, delicate, to be happy about, to take exquisite delight. In other words, to be soft or pliable. To be soft or pliable. Gives new meaning to that text where it says, we are the clay and he's the potter, doesn't it? Delighting in him is us being soft and pliable. I love this kind of stuff. I don't know if you guys do. One last thing. There's a reason that those who translated the Bible from Hebrew into English use the word delight. So I always like to check the American Dictionary of the English Language by Noah Webster, 1828. If you don't, it is online free. Again, if you don't have your own hard copy of this, it's worth the money. And in this, this word means to affect with great pleasure, to please highly, to give or afford high satisfaction or joy. So we're taking all these things we're finding, we're putting them together. And I'm putting them together, going back in time here, as, as I'm researching this and meditating on this and taking observations. And it, then I come up with a working definition. And not that I'm trying to change Scripture here, or add to it or take it away, but what is the definition that I'm saying the same thing that God is that's speaking to my heart? And this is where the interpretation part of Bible study comes into play. So then to summarize the meaning of this word in its original language in context, plus a good definition of the English language, I boiled it down to this. A choice to yield, obey, and experience great pleasure in exquisite joy, to delight. On the verse says to delight yourselves in the Lord. So it's a choice to yield to God, to obey God, to experience great pleasure in God, exquisite joy in God. And see, I can also believe that it's a choice because of other cross-references I came across during my study. God choosing 
to delight in our obedience, as it says in 1 Samuel 15, 22, and uprightness and in his children. In his children's Proverbs 3, 12, uprightness is 1 Chronicles 29, 17. And then it is also me choosing to delight in the Lord, as it says in Psalms 37, 4, 94, 19, 119, 16. But why? Why should I do this? Why? Why should this be in the Lord and nothing else? Well, do some searching there in Scripture. Why is it important that all of our worship, all of our delight, our joy and satisfaction should be in God and God alone? Because He is to be worshipped above all else. First Chronicles 16.29 Sung to by the whole earth. Psalm 96.1 All nations will come and worship Him someday. Revelation 15.4 and he is worthy above everything and everyone else in Revelations 4.11. And so I continue to pray through this journey. Lord, am I on the right track? Is this from you? Is, is this you guiding me, directing me in this direction? So using the same methods, I did desires and heart. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through the whole process with them, but Desires in heart, being, desire being a prayer or petition for a longing directed at the attainment or possession of something or someone. Desire being a prayer or petition for a longing directing at the attainment or possession of something or someone. Heart, the innermost part of us. It's not just our physical heart that beats and will eventually quit beating someday. No, this is what is the eternal part of us, either someday in glory with heaven or someday not in his presence in hell. It's our soul, our mind, our will, and emotion. Now, what is it about this desires, Lord? What is that? And there's a lot of confusion today, especially with the prosperity gospel out there, and saying if you just have enough faith, you can, you can change God's mind and change God's will, and people can be healed no matter what. You can have health, wealth, and prosperity if you just have enough faith. But yet your word as a whole does not claim that, Lord. If you take some verses out of context, you can get to that place. But if you look at the entirety of his word, and especially at Jesus Christ, you can't get there. So pulling up memories from sermons I'd heard, Asking those who have gone before me, older than me, wiser than me, searching the scriptures again. I was reminded that in the beginning when God created man and woman to live in the garden and for God's glory, they had everything. They had everything they could ever want. They had a perfect, intimate relationship with God, walking with him in the garden. When they worked in the garden, it was done. The weeds didn't come back. The dishes were always done. The laundry was always done. However they did that, well, they didn't really need laundry back then, did they? They didn't have clothes yet. Laundry was always done. Didn't have it. <laughs> God created humans at that point in time, though, with the freedom to reject him. Because he didn't create robots. And as long as we have the ability to reject 
him or someone else, then we have the ability to choose to love as well. And we get this from John 7, 17 and Galatians 5, 13. So what does this say about humanity's innate desires, a core desire when a man and a woman at the beginning of time had everything? So stop playing the, if I just had the perfect job, if I just had the perfect spouse, if I just had the, as I was playing during some of this research, forget about it. Adam and Eve had it and they chose to disobey. What does that tell me about my heart? What does that tell us about our heart? More research. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. In Romans 7, 15, Paul is lamenting about how he does not even understand what he does, why he does the thing he doesn't want to do versus the thing he wants to do. And many other scriptures saying similarly in the Psalms and elsewhere. Certainly I could conclude that my own heart wanted evil first without God's help is prone to be drawn to that like a magnet that I'm constantly having to walk away from. So obviously the desires in this verse that God's wanting to give me are not what my heart's desiring. More prayer. More meditating. Lord, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to say? Wait a minute. What's the first part of this verse? Delighting in God. He wants me to yield to him. He wants me to obey him. He wants me to find total and complete satisfaction in him and him alone. Not the perfect job. Where they're okay if I share the gospel every day with each customer and they pay more than my bills so I can give even more money away. And I have eight weeks of vacation every six months and, you know, fill in the blank. <laughs> I should want him more than that. And see, yielding, surrendering, and trusting God, is, is that not love? 1 Corinthians 13 says so. And in order to grow in that love and that trust for somebody, to delight in him more, what must I do? Well, I know that I'm not going to know my wife very well if I'm not spending time talking to her, hanging out with her, studying her. What is she like? What is she not like? Same is true with God. But since my heart has that tendency to sin, I can't do this on my own. So Lord, you're asking me to delight in you. And you will give me desires, not my own. So how am I going to accomplish this? Well, you sent a remedy, Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What is this man Jesus searching come up with Philippians 2, 5 through 11. <clears throat> Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ. Stand with me while I read this part, would you? In fact, read it with me. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, 
did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You may be seated. You see, Jesus humbled and yielded himself in becoming a man and going to the cross. God gave him his desires. Jesus, delighting in God, and we see that throughout eternity past, through scriptures as he enters the scene as a man, Jesus continuing to delight in God by going away to private places to prayer, going to the desert for 40 days to fast and pray, seeking God's will and submitting to it on the eve before the cross to the point of where he's sweating blood. God gave him the desires he wanted him to have. And as we just read, those desires are to go to the cross and bear the sin of the world on it. Those desires are that his name would be exalted, highly exalted above every name. And so, what this meant for me and what this means for every person is, is am I going to humble myself before his name and bow before him here on earth? Yield to him, trust him, obey him, delight in him? Or am I going to wait till the day where I no longer have the choice and I will still bow my knee because he is God? But at that point in time, he will say, get away from me. I never knew you because you did not choose to delight in me. So after these Bible study methods that I used and coming to a place in my own heart and life of realizing what delighting myself in the Lord meant and that the desires that he wants to give me are his desires. You see, because his desires for me are, are what's best for me. See, because he desires for me to delight in him. It's kind of cyclical, isn't it? Because he knows that that perfect job is not going to increase and deepen my faith and trust in him. Because it's smooth sailing. I've never heard a testimony where somebody had everything they wanted and things were smooth. And they grew so much in their faith. And they went overseas to be a missionary and they proclaimed the gospel with their neighbors and they... Whatever role God has you in doesn't happen because our hearts are constantly being pulled like a magnet towards ourselves and sin away from God. So I personalize this verse 
delight myself in the Lord and he will give me the desires of my heart. He will give me his desires. So this morning as we transition to time of communion where we celebrate together as a family exactly what Christ did on the cross for us. Because he did provide a way. He did provide a help. Because it's him between us and that magnet that allows us to go to God. Because we're not strong enough to walk away from it without him. Would you spend a few moments in prayer where you're at? And specifically, Lord, how am I delighting in you? How can I better delight in you? Lord, is there things I am choosing to do that actually I am choosing to go towards the magnet of sin and death? So spend those few moments, if you would, and then I'll dismiss you in just a moment to grab the elements. Father, in your word, you say that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Lord, our ability to draw near to you is because you initiated that first. Lord, you also tell us in your word that you are near to all who call upon you. To all who call upon you in truth. So, Father, as we take a moment to get the elements, speak to our hearts, Lord, even as we're in line or standing there or thinking. Father, continue to minister to us. Lord, that you, you delight in us. To those who call you Father, call Jesus Brother. And Lord, those who don't know you, you long to delight in them. Thus you sent your Son to die on their behalf. 
Thank you, God. Thank you. We're so unworthy. The elements are located in the four corners of the room. As you and your, if you're by yourself or you and your family want to get up and make your way to grab them. I have lost my appetite And the flood is welling up behind my eyes So I eat the tears I cry And if that were not enough They know just the words to cut and tear and prod When they ask me, where's your God? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your face to me. As a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. And when I behold your glory, you so faithfully renew, like a bedroom for my faith. I am satisfied in you When I'm staring at the ground It's an inbred feedback loop That brings me down So it's time to lift my brow And remember better days When I love to worship you in all your ways With the sweetest songs of praise Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you Showed your grace to me As a deer pants for water So my soul thirsts for you And when I survey your splendor You so faithfully renew Like a And when he had given thanks He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup and said, This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. The new covenant 
of his blood. What more is there to delight in? Only that which is temporary and fleeting. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, you are worthy. You sent your Son who is worthy to be slain as a lamb, as we sang earlier. Lord, as we reflect on life around us, on the intricacies and complexities of our body, of, of your creation, how it works together. The details of how plants give off oxygen. What we breathe out feeds the plants. The reminder of each new morning a sunrise of how your mercies are new each and every day. God, there is nothing that we have done that your grace will not cover. And Lord, I know that's not a license to go out and do whatever we want. But that we would be overwhelmed by your love for us. Lord, that there would be nothing else that we want more than to delight in you. And God, as we do that, that our desires would be transformed to your desires. Lord, that we can't help but praise you in our hearts and our minds and with our words and with our lives each and every day, loving you. Lord, that when we come into contact with others, whether we understand them or not, we can't help but have compassion and love for them because they are either your children or they're lost. And Lord, that our desires would then be to go out of our homes, into our communities, into the world beyond by our prayers, by our support, or even by our feet going. Lord, so that we might share your love with others, that they might come to know you. Lord, be with us. We need your help each moment of every day. We are so needy. God, thank you that you do. What a mighty and amazing God you are. Your precious and holy name, amen.